Hi and welcome to the Happiness Safari podcast. I'm so happy you are here. My name is Nadine. I'm your host. I'm here to guide people to connect to who they really are through yoga and coaching so that they don't feel lost and lonely anymore but are empowered to live the life of their dreams. And the Happiness Safari podcast is here to inspire you through stories from incredible people. And today on the podcast, I speak to Orlando. Orlando is an NLP coaching trainer from New Zealand, now based in the UK. He is a founder of NLP Fusion and provides NLP training and coaching to students and clients across five continents, both in person and online. And Orlando and I speak about how you can change the way you feel about a situation in the past now. And we will do an incredible interesting exercise uh, around minute 42 if you want to yeah do that exercise make sure you're not driving or cycling um, but you find a place where you can close your eyes um, it only takes a couple of minutes and from this episode you will learn how to become aware of your thoughts why humans are amazing how to reprogram yourself with nlp why you should be lost in amazement where our fear and anxiety comes from and why we are all influencing each other and why we can't be happy all the time but Orlando is really such a blessing such a positive and insightful man and it was just a lovely conversation I smiled through the entire interview and I also learned so much so this one is also one where you could take notes and I'm sure you will get more interested about NLP um, yeah super super nice uh, concept to change your programming change your thoughts change your beliefs and yeah achieve the goals you want to achieve so yeah enjoy this episode hi welcome Orlando to the podcast I'm very happy you are here and talking to you about NLP about your life's journey and yeah I can't wait to dive right in we had a short conversation before but yeah please uh, tell listeners first of all like how you are today and well, thank you very much for having me here, Nadine, and hello to everyone. Uh, I'm very well today. For those watching, you'll see I'm a little red-faced. I've just been out cycling this morning, uh, upping the physical game, but uh, uh, living here on the south coast of England, it's summertime, and life's pretty good at the moment. Oh, yeah. Summertime in England is always really good, actually. Well, well most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. Yeah. No, it was very sunny when I was there, so um, then it's really beautiful. Um, well, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, so my name's Orlando Zucchero. I'm uh, a licensed NLP coaching trainer and a clinical hypnotherapist, amongst other things. Most of what I do is training and coaching. So uh, either private individuals and uh, small businesses and medium-sized businesses with leadership teams uh, and general teams, working with them with general subjective well-being, that is how you things that you can do to actually enhance your own well-being. And the other large chunk of my work is one-on-one -on -one coaching, predominantly online. I work with a few clients face-to-face, -face, but Things have changed now, and uh, people are much more uh, agreeable to this format. 
True, very true. Yeah. And yeah, and for everybody who doesn't um, haven't heard about NLP, would you like to explain what that is in particular and how you use it with your clients? Sure. So uh, NLP stands for neuro linguistic programming. Neuro being the brain, uh, the spinal cord, your entire neurology. Linguistics is all forms of human communication, verbal, nonverbal, paraverbal. That is how we communicate to one another and ourselves. And the programming is things that we've learned through our lives that we just are able to do. That is, we call them programs, call it uh, program or patterns of, of behavior in our brain that we learn right from the day that we're born. We're absolute learning machines. And we take on these patterns for things that are useful in the moment uh, through our lives and Uh, throughout our lives, some of them become redundant, some of them we hold on to that we should have let go of, and others we continue to seek and we learn how to do things in an automatic way uh, so that we don't have to think about everything all of the time. The neuro-linguistic programming is a uh, the study of the structure of successful behavior. So that is being able to w observe and experience what somebody else is doing really well at not just the external level, but internally how they're thinking about it, what process they're going through so that we can find a pattern or a pathway that they are using to get that successful result. And we can reciprocate it in ourselves and other people. So uh, I use it to uh, the, and the coaching that I do is called NLP enhancement coaching. It is all about enhancing from where you are to where you want to go. Um, I have yet to be yet to have found a, or been introduced to a client that is broken. Um, they're just doing something really well that doesn't get them the result they want. Mm. Well, that's usually a lack of education, and that is they need to learn something. Not the not the traditional education. They simply need to learn something. And NLP is an educational model. It is recognizing where people are at, where they want to go, and then finding a successful pathway for them to follow. Or if there is, doesn't appear to be one, creating one. Mm. Why not? Why not? Very good. And how would that look like if you could give me uh, or the listeners an example of like how would your first session be or how would the, the journey be for somebody working with you? Well, on, on first introduction, whether it's a training environment or whether it's a coaching environment, the first thing I need to do is take a barometer check or calibrate where people are at. Um, now, obviously, if someone's coming to me for coaching or training, I, I've got an idea already of where they want to go. That is why they're in front of me. Mm -hmm. uh, they've come to see me for a reason. But the very first thing I'm going to start with is what's an NLP called a well-formed outcome or a well-formed goal. Now, this is sim it's simply a, a, a means of goal setting. It just happens to be the most efficient form of goal setting I've ever come across in my life. Uh, basically, what I want to know from the person is, what do you want to achieve? Whether they're a student or a coaching client, to me, it's the same thing. But it's not a matter of what I think they want. It's what do they want to achieve? Mm -hmm. So if someone says to me, well, I want to get better at work. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean feel better? Does that mean be happier? Does that mean be more productive? Does that mean actually arrive on time? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. So I want to find out what it does mean. And if, uh, often the answer I'll get from somebody is, well, I don't want to be late all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I'm going to ask them is, well, let's put that in the positive. What do you want? Mm 
Because if you don't want to be late, um, you could quit and then you'd never be late. Mm -hmm. You'd also have no income. You couldn't support yourself or your family and life would go downhill. So what do you actually want as opposed to being late? And they might say, well, I want to be on time or whatever their language is. And this is across absolutely any form of genre, whether it's business or personal private coaching, whether it's for weight loss or stopping habits or negative thinking, imposter syndrome, speaking in public, whatever it might be, what do you actually want? You know, speaking in public is a big one, uh, especially for corporate uh, pe- people climbing the corporate ladder, as it were, mm-hmm. as they go up, they're expected to present. And they'll often say, well, I don't want to be afraid when I speak to people. I'm like, well, what do you want? Do you, do you want to be funny? Do, do you want to be hilarious? Do you want to be excited? Do you want to be depressed? You know, we could do that. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, no, that's not what I mean. I'm like, all right, so let's slow that down a little. What do you mean? What do you actually want? How do you want to see yourself? How do you want to hear yourself? How do you want to be heard and received by others? Mm. Now, that requires a, a mental shift. Because if I say to you, for example, um, here's a cup of milk, don't spill the milk. The mental picture is the milk being spilt yeah. and then the instruction to don't do it because English is round the, round the way. <laughs> But if I say to you, carry it to the table carefully with two hands, that's a very precise goal orientated or mm. positive goal orientation mental picture that you're going to make inside your mind. Well, no different. I don't want to be afraid. I'm only thinking about being afraid. What if, what if, what if uh, I want to be confident and clearly understood? Well, that's, that's a very different thought process to don't want to be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) So very much the beginning of any interaction is to clarify from the client's perspective what they want, what they mean by that, so I can get an understanding of it. But more importantly, so they can hear their internal thoughts and they can see inside their mind the goal they want in a way they potentially have never looked at it before. Mm. Suddenly, that in of itself, change has already begun. Wow. And that's great fun. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, especially if you're not so aware of that, you know, concept and just the way we talk to ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And look, all of us to a large degree, I'm not aware of what I unconsciously do Mm. until I bring it into my awareness. But the the first example I give people is language. Currently, even in this podcast, we've both used lots of words. I haven't really thought about which words I'm using. I've got ideas Mm. and I'm making noise. But the process of creating and delivering language is outside of our awareness. It's an unconscious process. True. So when we start becoming aware of what we've said and how we've said it, that gives us the ability to adapt it and adjust it to be as useful as it can be, to be as clear in our communications as we wish. Mm. And we're never going to get it right all the time. We are human. That's okay, too. Yeah. A sense of humor will save you from most things. (laughs) That's very true. Very true. So what would you say is just interesting because you work obviously with people who have, and especially in corporate environments, very um, particular goals like, yeah, want to be a good public speaker or want to be confident or want to um, be on time at work. But then have you, and I mean, do you have an idea what's the intention behind that or what's the the wish or the goal even underneath that what do most people have in common by achieving their goals like what is it what they really want well 
it's a little difficult to answer the question because, you know, what do most people have in common? Well, you, you have to, if you're going to go underneath or if you're going to chunk up to the bigger picture, eventually you can get a common goal. We all want, to, most people want to be alive. Mm. If you go up high enough, that that's a purpose. Um, but human beings, I mean, the cool thing in my mind about human beings is we all share a very similar neurology, mm. right? Brain, spinal cord, you know, generally. So patterns of communication and things we can learn are very easily transferable. I mean, human beings are learning machines. I mean, we can walk on two feet, for goodness sake. That's amazing. You know, robotics has been trying to emulate that efficiently for decades now, and it's a really tough problem, and we just do it. Mm. And it's amazing. While we're talking, walking, and having a drink and doing all these other things. So we share this neurology, but we're as unique as our individual fingerprints. And that's really important to me when I'm working with people. I'm not looking for what that person has in common with other people. I'm really wanting to know what's important for that person. Where are their values? How are they structured? What do they specifically want? And of course, you, you know, you'll find commonalities, um, you know, whether you go through the, uh, the psychology route of cybernetic big five, um, you know, you find people that are conscientious, that have a level of openness, uh, that uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that have traits that are in common, but human beings are a little bit more complex than that because often, again, their, their motivational driver in a context, the moment you change the context, everything changes. Mm. The, the drivers change. And contextually what's happening, I mean, I can see a client, um, often I'll see a client, uh, once, then a week later, and then every fortnight or three weeks after that for the number of sessions that we're doing coaching together. And you can have two weeks of not seeing somebody, and in that two weeks, something's happened in their life and their whole life has changed. Uh-huh. Now, that sounds dramatic, uh, but it could be the loss of a loved one. It could be a, 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 that something happens, they get rushed to hospital, they get a health diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, health wasn't an issue for them. Now it's really important. <laughs> And so their value structure changes in their work and their personal life. Um, you know, we, we can be very, very changeable creatures. Mm. Well, I think that's awesome. We just got to recognize it and go, well, if we're so darn good at learning and so clever at changing, how about we pick what we want to learn and pick what we want to change? Mm. You, you, you could be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't mean 17-year-old sitting in the cafe going, you're amazing. I mean, you could actually do amazing things with your life. And people do it every day. Human beings are awesome. Very true. Very true. I always say that. It's like incredible. If you just look around you, wherever you are right now, and everybody can do that, and just look at all the things you see. And I mean, it starts obviously with nature. So even if you would just sit in nature, then you think, okay, like this is just the world and how everything's been created is amazing. But if you like are somewhere in a room and you see, I mean, all the items, I mean, I don't know, I just see a microphone thinking, okay, somebody built that, like somebody actually came up with that. Like for the first time, somebody thought that would be a great tool to have to make our words like come out louder for more people to hear that. Or, you know, like somebody created a water bottle, which keeps my water hot and cool um, at the same time. And, you know, like all these things we created, like it's so 
And I mean, we can fly to the moon and we can fly in planes and, and all these things, right? Yeah. Because somebody had an idea and then they changed it or they manifested it into something. So that is... Well, it, it, every, every human achievement started with a thought. Yeah. The, the very building that you and I, buildings that we're sitting in, we're in different buildings, but the very buildings we're sitting in, at some stage, this was an idea, a mm. concept that was shared from one person to another potentially. And somewhere along the line, a draft person or architect was gifted the idea and then they they built it in their mind and then they put it on paper or probably a computer now. Mm. Um, and then they showed the, the person with the original idea and they made adjustments. I mean, now there's a building. Yeah. And it's just incredible. And it's filled with stuff and every single one, every item is an idea, including what we're wearing. It, yeah. Yeah. Human beings are just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that positive attitude towards human beings. I think. Oh, I, I think it's very easy, especially oh, like in the modern day. We, we've got information coming at us in directions that 20 years ago didn't even exist. Mm. And the volume of it is phenomenal. It's very easy to get lost in the noise sometimes. Mm. And one of my favorite activities, you actually mentioned it a moment ago with airplanes, I loved, I'm very lucky where I live. I can ride for five minutes and be at a beach. And I've got my spot that I like to sit on. Uh, it's my favorite spot where the rocks go out. And this side, there are dogs playing. And this side's where the kids play. And they're at a distance, but I can hear it. And in front of me, I'm looking over the water to the Isle of Wight. And then I'll look up and I'll see a plane flying over. You know, there's four or 500 human beings at 10,000 feet traveling 1,000 kilometers an hour. Mm. That is amazing. And it weighs tons. Like, not like a feather, it weighs tons. And it's not falling out of the sky. And I even understand why part of why that is due to propulsion and aerodynamics. That, that is amazing. Mm. Absolutely. And I'll sit there and watch a plane going over and just enjoy that it's amazing. Mm. And the, those simple things in life. And like you say, as, as clever as I think the plane is, the next minute birds go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we haven't reached that level yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the, it, I think being lost in wonder and amazement uh, on a daily basis, not not all of the time, but taking moments to be lost in wonder and amazement, I believe is very healthy for the brain. Mm. Very healthy. Yeah, definitely. Which reminds us. Yeah. Um, well, I have to go back to a question I want to ask you before. This is because everybody asked that um, also when I work with people, like how long would it take? Um, I guess maybe it depends on the goal, but like how many sessions do you usually have with people to achieve their goals? Uh, well, that, that I have to kind of split into three. <laughs> um, the, the coaching that I do is The, as NLP enhancement coaching, mm. one bracket is other practitioners, hypnotherapists, yoga instru instructors, breathwork instructors, acupuncturists. They come to me to learn skills in communication, in language, to enhance their own profession. Mm. And that's usually done either in a, if it's not done in a course, in one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's usually in six block, six sessions of coaching over three, four, or even five months, depending on what's happening in their profession. Mm. The other two, um, Uh, are a lot more similar in the sense that private individuals or professionals uh, sponsored by a company that are coming for a specific result. Yes, there's a lot of variation, but usually for most things that are very specific, three sessions, uh, sometimes six, uh, depends on complexity and what else is 
coming up for that person, whatever, 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 uh, whatever's going on for them in their mind. Um, but for example, public speaking, um, the first thing I ask the person is, what if I said to you that in the other room, there's a hundred people, I'm going to take you into that room and you're going to stand on the stage and I'm going to look for how they react. Mm. Now, if they can be afraid by that, they're not afraid of public speaking. They're afraid of the idea of public speaking. Mm. They're creating the fear without it even. I mean, I've just told them it's not there. And then I've told them what if it was there, knowing that it's not there, and they still manage to do the fear. Mm. But they know it's not there, but they've already made a picture or a movie inside their mind. Uh, they've imagined what it would be like, and their body, their physiology, their emotions has reacted. Mm. Well, that's not a reaction to external stimulus other than my voice. It's a reaction to an internal trigger. They've created that trigger. So rather than, I mean, you don't need a stage to teach someone how to think for a change. Mm. Because now we're stepping into the role of very much the structure of human behavior. That is a uh, structure of thinking. How, what is thinking? How are you actually doing it? And, you know, we, we have five senses of the human body. And we use those five senses predominantly to do our thinking. I'm not a, now. I'm not saying that there isn't a sixth sense or that there aren't multiple universes and all that. I'm not saying that. But when human beings interact with one another and themselves, they use sensory-based information. Mm. That is, they make internal pictures and movies. That is, they can see their thoughts, or they talk to themselves, or they imagine other people talking to them. That's auditory. Or they go through a series of feelings. That's very kinesthetic. Sometimes there's even a smell or a taste involved, right? Um, the bitter taste of having to get on stage. That stinks as an, as an idea. It comes out in people's language. So when, when we start tracking for that sensory information and asking directly, I mean, if, a if I say to a person, look, you know, next door, imagine there's a stage and I'm going to take you out there and they go, I'm going to say, what are you doing? And they're going to go, oh, no, no, I'm just getting afraid. I'm like, no, 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 slow down. What are you actually doing in your mind? Are you imagining what that's going to be like? Or are you talking to yourself? Or are you remembering something that scared the bejeebas out of you? Mm. And usually, very often, I should say, not usually, oh, well, there were, you know, uh, the, just the thought of going out there freaks me out. I'm like, cool. How are you doing the thought? Are you seeing it in your mind? Oh, well, I feel it here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you don't get the feeling and, until you know what to feel about. So what happened first? Let's just slow it down. Ooh. And this process of slowing the process down is bringing the unconscious behavior, that is the thinking, into conscious awareness. I'm like, All right, so you get this feeling here, but what had to happen just before that happened to get that? What had to happen to get the feeling? Oh, well, and they often, I'll say, close your eyes because get cut off the sensory experience of the outside. Just close your eyes and tell me, what do you see in your mind's eye when I say public speaking? <laughs> and they'll usually give you something to, I mean, you'll get an answer. I, I, well, I, I, just hear, I just hear myself saying, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. Mm. Now, by that, what I've just demonstrated is exactly how they hear it. They don't hear, you can't do it. 
You can not do it. You can not do it. They don't hear that. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. The speed goes up. The tonality goes up. The breathing comes into the everything changes. They know and they they will do it like clockwork because mm. they know exact, you know, anxiety, is a form of fear is very, very similar. People will do it like clockwork, especially if they've been practicing for a while. Mm. And as soon as they begin to identify how these processes are happening inside themselves, they are already 80% of the way there to gaining control because they can make changes to it. I'll actually, someone that's afraid of walking out on stage, I'll teach them how to get more afraid of it more quickly. Then they can really scare themselves. Now that sounds weird, but they also realize, because I'll be joking the whole time, (laughs) they also realize at the same time that if they can make it worse faster, that means it's a process that they are doing and they're beginning to control it. Now, most very, by far the majority of that point go, all right, now tell me how to make it go the other way. Exactly. (laughs) And what I've just demonstrated to you is exactly what they've got to do. If this is making it worse, whatever this finger means, they've got to go the other way. Mm. So if it gets worse like this, then make it better like that. Now, the moment people say to themselves, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. If they even if they don't change the language, if they if they simply go, I can't do it, 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 I can't do it. It feels different, right? And we've been doing this our whole lives, just not aware of it. Mm. If a if a child hurts themselves, now I have no children. Okay, plenty of my friends have had children. I had a younger brother, but if a child hurts themselves. I won't walk towards the stu- the child, increasing my pitch and speaking faster and faster. Are you all right? 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 I'm going to freak the kid out, right? Mm. But if I walk over and go, hey, how are you doing? What have you been doing? Blah, 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 blah. And just talk. It it breaks the, the pattern of I fell over. Maybe I should freak out. Mm. And if I just talk normally, the kid's going, well, hang on. I'm, you're supposed to be freaking out and joining me here. What's going on? I, do I freak out? Do I relax? But because it's different, they have to find a new way to react. And adults are just big kids yeah. in a lot of respects and thinking. But the moment they start, this is the coolest thing about that. The moment people start learning, this is a process and here's how I'm doing it. And they start realizing that they can start making adjustments to that process and it feels better. You actually would tr- you'd be doing well to stop them getting better mm. because human beings are learning machines. It never stops. Yeah, sure. Prior to seven year old, uh, up to seven years of age, we learn very differently at an excruciatingly high rate and speed, phenomenally well. But after that, we're still learning phenomenally quickly, and we can do a lot to enhance our own learning. Um, the first thing is to actually engage in doing it. Mm. figuring out what am I doing now what do I what do I want to do and then play spot the difference and then change stuff give stuff a go yeah yeah very cool I had a children example that's so true right because even if you 
like if children fall and they actually don't hurt themselves, but then sometimes when the parents come and they freak out, then they just cry because of the shock or the moment of, yeah, now you explained it, why? And then if you actually don't watch or you don't go there, then, you know, they might just get up and, and they go. And so you can also control it by going there, being really calmly and saying, yeah, Okay, you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, up, up until the age of seven, children do not have the resources to know what to do. They mm -hmm. don't know how to react because they haven't done that before. Mm -hmm. So, where, where do they look to for their primary source of what happens now? Yeah. They look to older people, to adults, primarily with the highest level of trust, which is going to start with parents and then loved ones and out into the wider community. Yeah. And depending on how those people react, the child, what they're doing is going, okay, they're not quite doing it like this, but hey, I've just had a really bizarre experience. I don't know what to do with it. What should I do now? Mm -hmm. Oh, look, everyone's freaking out. Yep, this is my moment. <gasps> ah! <laughs> uh, you know, where do you think most spider phobias, snake phobias, mm -hmm. height phobias, uh, fears, anxieties. I mean, look, I, I work with uh, a reasonable number of uh, young people, 17 to 20 years of age, and it never ceases to not entertain me, um, especially if I meet them live where the, the parent brings their child who's 17 that's well on their way um, because the child has anxiety. And uh, I, other than the age, I, I fail to tell who's different when they arrive because mum's freaking out. <laughs> Oh, the traffic was really bad and we could hardly drive here. And here's my daughter. Can you help her? I'm like, uh, do you want the first appointment or the second one? Because, <laughs> you know, we are product. We're not purely products of our environment, but to ignore our environment, ignore what we've been around for large portions of our lives, like it can't influence us. That's just stupidity. Mm. You know, I went to the beach this morning and rode my bicycle uh, along the promenade. And I, I saw a whole bunch of dogs down there. I love dogs. Those dogs had an impact on me viscerally. I saw them. I felt good. Mm. Well, if just seeing a dog walking down the beach can make me feel an internal feeling, what about the co-workers I spend hours with, my partner, my family, my friends, people that we spend hundreds if not thousands of hours with? Mm. We, we all have the ability to influence each other directly. And whether we think we're doing it or not, you cannot not communicate with other people you cannot not influence them simply by being there you create a difference you become context so i think it's a good idea to be aware of that and be good context mm, wow yeah that's very powerful for sure and that's something i think so many people are not aware of and you know even now you said it i was just like yeah that is so true and it makes so much sense and i think everybody can think of situations where it's been like that or yeah things they actually make you and coming to happiness like happy or make you feel good or or not and speaking about you know like the energy around but yeah it has something to do with with communication well, absolutely i mean in the in, in the work that i do i come across a lot of people that have been diagnosed with or have self-diagnosed depression mm. and again straight back to that very beginning what do you want i don't want to have depression all right, so you want to be terrified all day. And you go, well, no, that's not what I meant. I'm like, well, you, if you don't want depression, what do you want? Oh, well, I want to be happy. Mm. I'm sorry, that job's already taken. If you want to be happy, then you've got to shrink a few feet, get six mates and an unconscious woman. 
that's the story. There's happy, dopey, sneezy, smiley. Mm -hmm. You can't be happy. That's that, it, it, it's it's not a thing. You you are a human being, being human, doing things. You can do things happily. You can uh, you can happily walk to the shop. You can happily interact with other people. You can feel the feeling or describe the feeling of happiness, but you can't be happy and stick like that. I mean, emotionally, human beings cannot be one emotion all of the time. Mm. We're the changing creatures. We, 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 we operate in ebb and flow, just like everything else in the universe. Yes, we're super special and we're more amazing than everything else we like to think from time to time. We're not so different from the ocean. You know, the world world spins, we're on it, the ocean's on it, both both we and the ocean are constantly changing. Mm. And that's a good thing. You know, I, I'm 46 years of age. I wouldn't want to look like I did when I was five years old. You know, it was a different perspective. Everything was bigger than me. Yeah. You know, uh, as we as we grow and we change, we, we should change and we should understand that it, when I say change, I'm not saying that we have to redevelop ourselves. It, you know, like, I mean, I take my hat off to the likes of Madonna, who's absolutely redeveloped herself every 10 years and her music and all the rest of it. Well, brilliant. But it's, it's not that. We don't have to do something life-changing to everyone else's perspective every day. But do things every day that bring you a little happiness, mm. that enhance how many moments of the day are you doing things happily? You know, just before we got onto this podcast, you mentioned to me, oh, well, I work all over the show. I'm working all, all the weekends and you only had three weekends off, but then work, you just flippantly said to me, but work's not really work for me. Hmm. Now, I know from what you were saying that you've got to put in the time and the graft and the effort and you have done to have the skills that you're sharing with other people as well. The fact is you happily do what you do because it, it brings you pleasure. Hmm. You couldn't hide it when you were explaining to me. You lit up like a Christmas tree when you told me that you that you enjoy your work. I was like, that is beautiful. How cool is that? Mm. Doesn't mean it's not hard from time to time, but you can do hard things happily. Yeah, definitely agreed. So is that what you're saying? So coming back to the people who are depressed and don't want to feel depressed, and then they say they want to be happy, but then what do you say? Do well, things. The first, first thing I'm going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to nail them. I, I don't always tell them they have to be a dwarf. But um, like I say, a sense of humor will get you through most things. Um, but if someone, often if somebody is, and look, in their world, and it's very real for them, they have been in depression, mm. and it might be their description, but they have been a very depressed person for a very long time. That's a horrible, horrible place to be. Mm. Okay. And popping into their world and going, so if you're not depressed, do you want to be happy? I mean, you're talking about you're at sea level. How about you just hop up to the top of Mount Everest? That, you, you may as well be because it's so far away from their reality. Yeah, It's very much, it has to be, in my mind, it has to be questioning. So, okay, it, it, let's just call this where you're at right now. Where do you want to be? And one of the most common answers I get from people that do not want to be depressed anymore just want to feel normal. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, okay, well, what does normal feel like? And they go, um, I'm like, well, careful what you wish for, because if I can help you get it, you better make sure you want it. Mm. 
And we go, ah. I'm like, well, describe normal. Well, you know, when you have the ebb and the flow and sometimes you're happy and sometimes not so much, but then you, you know, you, you're more up, here, up and down here, not so much down here. All of this is information for how they see it in their mind's eye. Mm. And then I'll ask the big question. All right, let's say a word like happiness or joy or just numb or just normal. I say, right, when was the last time you felt that? Mm. Now, it's a really important question because let's say if someone does say from depression, I just want to, I just want to live my life happily. Okay, that's a good goal to have. When did when did you when were you last living your life happily? If they say to me, Well, I never have. It's no point me trying to help them get there. They don't even know where it is. Mm. I, we now need to build what is that feeling. Otherwise, you're trying to gear your neurology towards somewheresville. Mm. Well, again, we're right back to the very beginning of that well-formed outcome. Uh, that a well-formed outcome has certain criteria. It must be stated in the pro- positive. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to be depressed. I want to be happy. Okay, that we're off to a start. It's positive. It's got to be initiated and maintained by the individual. That is, it's got to come from them and they've got to be able to maintain it. Because you've got to look at their environment. You know, well, I uh, what what's what's your goal? Well, I, I don't want to do drugs anymore. What do you want? I want to be have a clean live, clean, healthy lifestyle. Mm. You live. Oh, I live with two people that cook drugs. <laughs> well. You, you might have the best session with them in the world, but you've got to be aware if they go back to that environment, what is the probability of them not using? Yeah. If someone's in a in any form of toxic environment, not just drugs, but if they're in an environment, you know, um, I work with, unfortunately, a huge number of women worldwide that have had horrific things occur to them through their lives. I, I don't know why, but it's just it's a large portion of my client base a lot of the work by the way i do is content free so we can talk about that but because i work content free that provides a very nice space for a lot of people to be able to make changes without having to go into details mm. i think things already happened you don't need to go through it again that's psychology tried it for 100 years doesn't work mm. okay. point reliving the experience it was done especially if it was done to you you shouldn't be doing it to yourself going over it again mm. change it it's not happening anymore, so how are you doing it? Just like the person going on stage, there is no stage, so how are you doing it? Mm. Make a change to how you're doing it internally, you can't feel the same. It doesn't take away bad things from the past. But if something bad happened to someone 10 years ago, five years ago, in some cases 30 years ago, living as if every, every day going through that thought or remembering that thought mm. as if it's happening again now, that's a bad plan. Yeah. Simple as that. Make a change to it, put it in the past where it belongs and live in the moment that is now. Mm. That, that in and of itself is life-changing. Mm. I think I've kind of gone off on a tangent here. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's so interesting because, I mean, I also thought, you know, I wanted to ask you actually, yeah, do you have to go into, do you have to know where the programming is coming from or do you have to understand it or can you... It helps to have a few clues, hmm. purely because, again, we're, we're using language to communicate with one another. So if you've got a couple of uh, key markers, as I call them, it, it makes life easier. But, for example, as I said, uh, working content-free, uh, especially with uh, that women have been through different traumas, um, 
I'll say to them, right, and this is exactly how I'll say it. Right, I want you to very, very quickly and listen to my instructions. I want you to be aware of that event now. And I want you to give it a word or an icon. And I want you to tell me that word or icon so that we can refer to the event as that word or icon, mm. the end. And they might, they could say pickles for all I care. All right. So whenever we're talking about, whenever I'm talking about pickles, I'm talking about that thing. Now, I'm very aware and very careful of labeling things because the power of language and the power of giving something a name. Okay. Um, and often by giving it a an iconic name as opposed to a reality name, for example, um, uh, I had uh, one lady I worked with, she described her event as, she said, well, all that comes to mind is a shield, like a um, a knight's shield. Mm -hmm. all, right, all right, we'll use the word shield. And we were talking about rape. Mm -hmm. Now, when she, she or anyone else uses the word rape, different thoughts come to mind than the word shield. Mm -hmm. So already you're making a structural change to the way you're referring to what happened in the past. You're not changing what happened. You're changing the way you represent it in this moment now. Mm. And I'll say, right, now, when you think of S.H.I.E.L.D., is it a picture or a movie? And they go, uh, and often they'll do this. It's a movie. And I'll go, right, freeze it. Just press the pause button. Just freeze it. Is it big or small? Really, really big. Right. Just take the size of it and just make it smaller, but do it quickly. Just go... Ready? One, two, three. Just make it a small picture. Mm. Usually it has to move away when it gets smaller, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Now, that's leading language, right? But in your mind or in the client's mind, they've taken this big scary event that was a movie, frozen it, shrunk it, and pushed it away. Mm. Now, that sounds like crazy stuff, but I'll just give you an example, you and the list, if you don't mind, that you and the listeners can do right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's one of my favorite topics. Think of a dog. Mm. Okay. Now, uh, just for the listener's sake, Nadine, what color is your dog? Uh, beige. <laughs> okay. Now, is your dog, uh, well, I think I know the answer to this one. Is it, when you think of the dog, is, the, is it a picture or a movie? A movie. Because the dog's moving, right? Stuff's happening in yeah. your imagination, right? And uh, when you're <clears throat> seeing, is it in color or black and white? Colors. I'm glad you said that. Otherwise, beige would have been very funny in black and white. <laughs> and is it near or far away? Near. Ah, so you know where it is. Cool. Is it above you, beside you, or in front of you? In front of me. Right. So, and does it have a frame around it? No. Okay. So what happens if you just, uh, how far, when you say near, is, is near like a foot, three feet, one meter? Like, give me a distance. One meter, I would say. Okay, so you've got a thought floating in your mind one meter from your nose <laughs> in color that's a movie. So what happens if if you just, you, and I just want to do this for a few seconds and we're going to put it back, okay? Just imagine that a hand comes up, grabs the picture and just pulls it further away. Okay. Does it say the same size or get bigger or smaller? Smaller. And now when you try to see it all the way over there, does it feel the same as it did when it was close? No. No. Right. So just pop it back. Just get, pop it back up again where it was. <laughs> right. And now does it go back to the way it used to feel? 
Yeah. Cool. <laughs> what happens if you bring it a little bit closer? Just turn the volume up as well if you can't hear the song. Yeah. What happened? That's pretty cool. No, I'm playing with it. <laughs> when, when it gets closer and louder, what, what happens for you? I'm getting happier. <laughs> I notice you smiling even more. Yeah. <laughs> See, now you can put it back where you want, where it started. And listeners, you can all put it back where you started or you can leave it where it, you, this is in your mind. You can play with it as much as you want. Think about it. If you can take a happy memory, like a dog, a picture, a movie, and you can bring it a little closer and feel better about it, or have it go further away, push it further away, or step back from it, and it doesn't get to feel as good, exactly the same happens if you're thinking about something that makes you feel ungood, mm. good, crappy, bad. So if you've got a memory that's big and yucky and scary and nasty, shrink it down, push it away. The key to it is do it quickly, okay? Mm. So when you want to change, if you've got this big image in your mind, you want to change, just go shrink it down small, push it away quickly, and just notice how notice how it feels different. And if that's better, then you could just imagine a locking sound. It sounded more like a gun, but a <laughs> locking sound. You could lock it in that new position and be done. Mm. And go, all right, well, it it hasn't changed what happened in the past. But the way you feel about it. Huh? But the way you feel about it. The way you feel about it now. Oh. Bad shit happens to good people every day on this planet. Mm. It's what you can do next that counts. And to me, if somebody is suffering with something that happened, especially if it happened to them by the actions of another a long time ago or at any time in the past, to be reliving that memory as if, you are going through it again and again and again and again. That's wrong. I mean, it should never have happened in the first place. Mm. But there comes a point where you, where it's time to say, stop. I've had enough. Mm. I'm going to identify how, how I'm thinking about this and make an adjustment. You don't have to get it perfectly right. You just change something. Play with it. It's your brain. Turn <laughs> up, turn the volume down. Move the picture closer, further away, bigger, smaller. Make it fuzzy. Put it sideways. You can do anything your imagination can do, you can do. Mm. Well, how freeing could that be? Yeah. Well, welcome to my world. This is how it, this is what I teach people to do every day. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Of ever. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, so I actually wanted to, yeah, get into your story, how you started to do what you're doing. Maybe we can um, speed it up a little bit because of time. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Look, um, it's not that exciting a story. I haven't got a long-winded, I had problems story. I'm a little different in that respect. I had a wonderful upbringing in Wellington, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. uh, and in my early 20s, I was in sales. I came across a guy who could outsell anyone I'd ever met in my life, but he was doing something I couldn't understand. I asked him for some advice. He gave me a brochure, and I went to an introduction to neurolinguistic programming for business communication in 1996. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> after that, I did a, uh, I moved, I actually moved cities to do a four month uh, training, or it was block, block training of a, the first NLP practitioner that I did. I then used it in business and sales predominantly for over a decade. In two, uh, yeah, well, almost two decades. 
And in 2016, I traveled to Florida and met Dr. Richard, uh, Dr. Richard Bandler, one of the co-creators of neurolinguistic programming. He and John Grinder put the entire model together from the 1970s onwards. Um, I started training with, I, mean, I got on very well with Richard, started training directly with him um, and then started, that's when I went from business into working with private individuals mm-hmm. and um, coaching both private individuals and business on a much larger scale. And 2018, uh, I was regularly traveling to Florida from New Zealand. Then 2018, I left New Zealand, went to Florida for a while, and then traveled to the UK to continue learning. And uh, I was going to come here for a year, and that was four years ago, and <laughs> I'm still here. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <and laughs> oh, wow. Very cool. Very cool pass. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for definitely helping other people to be happier, achieve their goals, and uh, let go of their past also. I mean, that's definitely an incredible job. And at the end of the podcast, I asked the final three questions. And the first question is, what does happiness mean to you? What does happiness mean to me? Happiness is a feeling. Um, and it's one of the positive feelings that I enjoy in wonderful moments in life. And mm. moments are the currency of life. So may as well spend them feeling things like happiness. And what do you do to be happy? A lot of different things. I, I, learning makes me happy. Reading, videos, watching human beings do awesome stuff, cycling, watching dogs, <laughs> petting dogs, playing with dogs. I mean, there's a multi, I could, I, I won't, but I could go on for a long time. Mm. I've spent probably the last, I've spent a lot of time in the last seven or eight years noticing when I'm happily doing things, what am I doing? And I do more of those things. Exactly. And it works. That's the answer I was looking for because you touched it twice. I think once you said when you just sat on the beach and you just listened to the dogs and the kids and you watched the plane and that's something being in the moment and appreciating having these moments. So I just wanted to repeat that. And then the second is when you yeah, said, you know, find the things you do happily and do more of them. So I think that's a good inspiration because that's also what I do with my clients. I try to help them find all the things that make them happy and tell them also do them more, <laughs> you know, and I, And I actually have that story where I um, had depression and I, like you, you know, spoke to my soul. Um, all I wanted to do was feeling happy. And also it was difficult because, as you said, it was so far away that I was also trying to write um, a happy list and remembering what made me happy before. Because in the time of depression, you don't feel that and you don't really even know and you don't remember. And then, yeah, I wrote all these things down. I was like, okay, the past has made me happy to see dogs or play with them or, or pet them or you know any animal really so then I maybe could at least watch animal clips and they maybe wouldn't give me the same happiness as before but still a better emotion than being in my mind thinking about you know I'm just depressed and I'm miserable and I hate my life and these little things and then okay like I know exercise is good for me in the past it made me happy so now if I do it while I'm depressed like it makes me feel a little bit better and then going up the, the letter step by step yeah. it's yeah. confidence you know pe people that are people that have been depressed for a long time 
in my experience, they, they honestly don't know the answer to what would make you happy. Mm. They start small. They, they didn't get to that point in two minutes. Often they've been months and weeks and years to get to that point. Just slow down a little. Give them a little space to grow yeah. and ask a couple of questions like, what's one thing that makes you happy? Well, I used to like, uh, I used to like watching dogs. All right. Like you say, get a video. You don't have to start by changing the whole world. Mm. You actually do with every small change. Yeah. Good. The last and final question is, what was the happiest moment in your life? What was the happiest moment in my life? Until today. <laughs> really don't know how to answer that. The first picture which comes to your mind. Yep. Um, the probably the, the first thing that comes to mind for me was in 2018, uh, I, I arrived here in the UK. In October, I went back to New Zealand uh, for a dental and medical conference that I was um, helping with. And I did a couple of small presentations locally, and my dad came to one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, my dad was... My dad's in his 70s. He was born in Italy. He immigrated to New Zealand. And he, he has got no idea what I do. <laughs> uh, and he said that quite openly. And he came along. And at that evening, I did a presentation. And there was a young lady who was uh, 16 years of age that uh, was suffering with terrible anxiety. And uh, she, uh, this was made known to me by her mum. And then from, from the stage in front of this group of people, I kept communicating directly with this young lady to the point where I walked over, took her by the hand, led her up in front of everyone, sat her down, had her close her eyes and do a few processes. And at the end of it, she opened her eyes and she was giggling in front of a group of people wow. that apparently would have terrified her. And after that, I mean, the mother and, and the daughter were very appreciative. It was a wicked cool feeling for me all over. And then afterwards, my father said words to the effect of, I still don't, I, now that I've watched you do it, I still am sure I do not know what you're doing, but do more of the sun. This is amazing. Oh. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. Get a little sandy here, eh? Come on. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, that's that's definitely one of, the, a very, very simple moment in my life and one of, one of the proudest moments of my life. Mm. Well. It's sharing it. Yeah, exactly. Mm, very happy. Uh, is there any book which changed your life or you would want to recommend to the listeners? Um, if, if, if today's been of interest and you'd like to read a little more about NLP or these types of things, there is a book by Dr. Richard Bandler that he co-wrote. I can't remember who he co-wrote it with off the top of my head. Uh, but it's called The Ultimate Introduction to NLP. Mm. Uh, if you if you Google search that or find it on Amazon, it's a very short book and an easy read. Um, one of the mo most inspiring books for me that I resonated with deeply because I love to travel uh, was written a book called Conversations written by Owen Fitzpatrick, who is a master trainer of NLP, an amazing guy, founded the Institute of uh, NLP up in Ireland with his co-partner, Brian um, but Owen wrote a book called Conversations, co-written with Dr. Richard Bandler, where Owen starts the story in Dublin and in Ireland on a rainy night, and then he travels, and he speaks of his travels, and he's 
the the stories within the trailer, the language is exquisite. Brilliant, fun book to read. And then he meets up with Richard and they have a conversation. He transcribes the conversation and he takes what he learned from that and he continues to travel around the world and he visits New Zealand, which is kind of cool. Um, but it's a brilliant book that um, I absolutely loved reading it and learned a lot at the same time. So yeah, there's a couple. Amazing. I will put that in the show notes, definitely. And thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast and yeah, sharing your knowledge. And I will also yeah, add all your links in the show notes and everything about NLP and yeah, definitely very inspiring. So thank you so much. <laughs> very welcome, Nadine. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks everyone that's still listening for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hi and welcome back and as Orlando said uh, thank you for listening through until the end of the podcast it was a long one but uh, I think so interesting so I hope you learned a lot and it gave you new inspiration it surely uh, yeah gave me a new inspiration and perspective and if you want to get in touch or work with Orlando I put all the links in the show notes also where you can learn more about NLP or um, yeah about the books he recommended so definitely check the show notes and as always it makes me so so happy if you jump over to my instagram and you comment under the post what you are taking away from this episode what you've learned what's your number one learning and maybe share it with at least one person you love and maybe a person who that episode is helpful for that would make me happy and hopefully the other person as well And yeah, I am in Denmark in the moment teaching at Bikram Yoga Roskilde mm, for a short visit and then off to Sweden after that. So still continuing my travel journey. And uh, yeah, as always, I like to share a quote from my book with you. And uh, yeah, this one is about really loving yourself. Love yourself despite your imperfections. Do you not feel compassion for yourself as you struggle through life? You're so eager to help your friends, but you treat yourself so poorly. Stroke your heart once in a while and tell yourself, I love you. So I just wanted to tell you that and I hope you will tell yourself that you love yourself and uh, I love you no matter where in the world you are and who you are. Just know that you are loved and I really appreciate you being here and uh, wish you all the best. You're a gift for this world. Thank you for being here. Thank you for existing and I hope I hear you again next week. Namaste.